Hey there, I'm Luke Stone. I'm a sixth former from Juneau Beach, Florida, and I'm excited to be with you as we hear from some of the wisest and most experienced members of the Woodbury community, past and present. This is Teaching the Tigers. There's no question that Woodbury exists to help boys become the best versions of themselves, but that process doesn't just happen automatically. Behind every Woodbury graduate is a community of teachers, coaches, and mentors that help shape him. The goal of this podcast is to get an alternate perspective of life at Woodbury from the point of view of some of the hardest working members of the community, our faculty. Today's guest, Mr. John Amos, has been connected to Woodbury as a place for his entire life. The Orange Virginia native became familiar with the campus at a young age. He never considered attending or teaching at Woodbury until 2008 when he grew tired of his daily commute from Orange to Charlottesville and applied to work at the forest. He joined me virtually via Zoom to talk about his early memories of Woodbury's campus, his tenure at St. Anne's Belfield, and his takeaways from 40 years as a high school English teacher. As you were growing up in Orange, what was your opinion of Woodbury? I don't know. I'm going to give you an answer you might not anticipate. I didn't really think about Woodbury students. Um, I actually had some friends who went to Woodbury. Uh, Woodbury, at the, back, I, I graduated from high school in 1976 from Orange High School. And so throughout the early 70s, Woodbury was still taking day students. And I had some friends who came to Woodbury as day students, but I didn't really, we didn't really talk about school. We did other things. And so I never really, I never really thought about them a lot as Woodbury students. Back then, like now, you'd periodically see Woodbury kids walking through town. But, you know, Woodbury students didn't really make any kind of impact on me at all. Woodbury as a place had a huge impact on my life, actually. My uncle was a man named Johnny Kuby, K-U-B-E. Johnny Kuby ran a store that was located right where Woodbury's entrance is now. It's been torn down since. Back then, it was the exit to the school, but now it's the, the entrance. And there was this little country store. And, and then my grandmother lived on the Brampton Road, which is just one road down from Woodbury. So frequently, when my parents would take me to see my grandmother, we would drive through Woodbury. And my grandmother actually worked at Woodbury's Laundry at the time. So Woodbury as a place was always this really spectacular, beautiful place. I can remember driving th- across the old bridge that's now washed out coming through the brick pillars, seeing the, seeing the Walker building, although I didn't know it was called the Walker building at the time, and just thinking this place is sort of, I don't know, it's like something out of a fairy tale almost. And, you know, Woodbury had a fairly strong connection to the local community. So, for example, when I was fourth or fifth grade, they start, Woodbury started a, a Little League basketball program for local kids. So they would bus us out to Woodbury and Woodbury students would act as little league basketball coaches. So I have this great picture of me as a fourth grader on a, on a basketball team coached by two Woodbury guys. So anyway, I've known Woodbury as a place. And in some ways, when I started teaching here, it was sort of like coming home because I, I, I had lots of sort of oddball connections. But none of those connections at the time happened to be people. So when you were uh, when you were younger and you were driving through Woodbury's campus and, and experiencing the place up close and personal, did you ever think about potentially living there one day yourself? No, never, not once. <laughs> not only did, I never thought about working here. I never thought about. I certainly never thought about going to school here, and I, and I mean that literally. I never thought about it. If I had thought about it, what would have happened would have been Woodbury was for rich kids, and I was not a rich kid. 
but it never got, it never even got that far in my mind. It never even was a possibility on my radar for going to school there here. And it never, I never really thought about teaching here until a couple of years before I actually ended up teaching here. I started thinking about it, you know, late in my, late in my first phase of my career. So what had you done professionally prior to coming to Woodbury? So I went to the University of Virginia from 1976 to 1980. I graduated with a BA in English in 80, and I started teaching right away um, at a little school in uh, suburban Maryland called Harker Preparatory School. Harker doesn't exist anymore, but it was a great place to start teaching. I taught there for four years, and then <clears throat> um, it's really the only four years I've lived significantly away from s Central Virginia. Um, and my wife and I started thinking about how we could get back to this area. And so in 1984, I took a job at St. Anne's Belfield School in Charlottesville. And I taught for 24 years at St. Anne's. And then in 2008, I left St. Anne's after 24 years and came here. And I've been here 12. So I'm actually, I just, I'm, I'm finishing up my 40th year of teaching. So while you were at St. Anne's Belfield for those 24 years, did you overlap with both Dr. Herb and Mr. O'Donnell? I did indeed. I did indeed. They were both quite close friends, and it's been really cool getting reacquainted with them at, uh, at Woodbury as teachers. I mean, we taught together for a long time. We became good friends at St. Anne's. When Dr. Herb got out of teaching altogether for about 10, 12 years, he and I kept in touch by the phone. Uh, Mr. O'Donnell and I stayed in touch even though we were working in different places. Yeah, actually, it was cool because when Dr. Herb applied to work here, I got to write a letter of recommendation to Dr. Halsey for him. So that was quite cool. Mr. O'Donnell knew Mr. Culbertson through soccer. And so I would talk about Mr. O'Donnell to Mr. Culbertson frequently. And we sort of both suspected that Mr. O'Donnell would end up here at some point. Did you and Mr. Culbertson play any role in getting him to leave St. Anne's and come to Woodbury? Only in terms of friendship and talking frequently. I mean, I think we, Mr. O'Donnell and I, Mr. Culbertson and Mr. O'Donnell and I talked over the years. I'm sure there were lots of conversations and Mr. where Mr. O'Donnell expressed, you know, I think when I'm done at St. Anne's, i.e. when my own children are, are, are grown and through St. Anne's, I might like to do something different and Woodbury's, Woodbury's a good place. And then for you personally, how did the, Woodbury, uh, how did the opportunity for you to leave St. Anne's and come to Woodbury present itself? Wood, Woodbury is my, is my uh, midlife crisis, Luke. Uh, <laughs> I turned 50 years old. I've always lived in Orange, except for those four years when we first got married. So for 24 years, I was driving from Orange, from my house in Orange to St. Anne's. And I loved the school. I loved everything I did at the school. It was just a great place. But I got to thinking when I turned 50, if I don't do something different now, I'm going to be doing the same thing for the rest of my career. And that would have been okay, but I just got the itch to do something different. And Woodbury was just different enough being boarding as opposed to day, being all boys as opposed to co-ed. So at 50, I just got the itch to do something different. And so Woodbury was right in my backyard and I emailed Mr. Blaine and we started talking. And you mentioned the differences between St. Anne's and Woodbury, uh, St. Anne's being a predominantly day with some boarding school and then Woodbury, all boys, all boarding. Uh, how else would you say Woodbury was similar to and different from your experience at, uh, at St. Anne's and Harker? It's a 
complicated question. I'll give you the, the closest I can give to a sort of succinct answer. Pace of the day is huge. So the day school, everything is concentrated into essentially an eight hour, nine hour period of time. And you feel like you're sprinting all day long. And particularly, I was quite close and still am quite close with the woman who was the sort of the Mr. Huber of, of, um, of St. Anne's, a woman named Diana Smith, who I just uh, I really hugely admire. But that school operated on her pace, and her pace was fast. Everything sort of went quick. At Woodbury, I might have a, a, a 16 or 17 hour day if I'm on duty, but the pace of the day is so much saner. Now, that's not to say that Woodbury days can't get busy. Of course they can. I mean, if you teach all day long and then have a game after and have to coach and take a bus to Richmond, all that stuff, it can be really, it can be an intense day. But there are also lots and lots of days where I teach class, I go out and play nine holes of golf, I grade papers, my wife comes out for dinner, we have dinner together. I mean, it's, it's, it's what boarding school is. You live here and so... It's not just your job crammed into a, a, a short space of time. So that's one of the big differences. Co-ed's very different. Um, I, I've kept in touch with a lot of former students over the years, both male and female. They've all matured into really thoughtful, normal adults in lots of ways, interesting people. But when they were in high school, no question in my mind that the girls were more mature than the guys. The guys tend to be knuckleheaded. So teaching at a single-sex school with all guys is a really interesting combination of knuckleheadedness and, uh, and potential maturity on the horizon. <laughs> and what would you say is the biggest difference between the third formers that you've taught in your time at Woodbury and the sixth formers that, uh, that you teach now? Well, my, for the 12 years I've here, been here, my schedule has been teaching third and sixth formers. So I've seen kids come through that I've taught as freshmen. Every year I have somebody as a senior that I had as a freshman. I mean, just sort of general maturity. Um, so my advisee is Ward Cozart. Ward Co and I just finished filming a little uh, sort of message for Ward. And w Ward has gone from being truly knuckleheaded as a, as a, as a freshman. Um, and he has grown up into, into a really thoughtful, interesting, fun person. I think that's true, actually, not just at Woodbury, by the way. I, I think that's true. I get to see it more here because I'm around people as a boarding school. I'm around them all the time, as opposed to just during the academic day. But I do think it, I mean, it obviously happens. Uh, the older you get, the more mature you get. So that's just cool to be able to see it. Um, the other thing that happens, you didn't ask me this, but the other thing that happens with seniors in a normal year is toward the end of the year, they revert back to what they were as freshmen lots of times. <laughs> you mentioned while talking about the difference in pace between uh, St. Anne's and Woodbury that on some of the slower days at Woodbury, you can go out and play nine holes of golf. And anyone who knows you just a little bit knows that uh, you and, and golf go together like a hand in a glove. It's just uh, you have a, a great relationship with the game. Uh, how far back does that relationship go? What's kind of your story with golf? So my story with golf is, as a, as a poor kid from Orange, I certainly never thought I would play golf. I was a basketball player. Basketball is my true, genuine love. 
And there's not a day that goes by. I'm 62 years old. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about playing basketball and wish I could play it again. But what happened was I was 42 years old. I was playing in a pickup basketball game. I I came down the court and hit somebody's sweat, I think, on the floor. And my knee went out. And in the same play, I tore my ACL and dislocated my elbow. Wow. Oh, my God. I can't do this anymore. I just can't. So basketball took a real toll on my body because I played too long. And so after that, for about, for about a year, I didn't know what to do and, uh, for exercise. And a friend of mine from Orange, who was a member of Woodbury's Golf Course, this is 2000, maybe 2000, 2001, something like that, um, said, come on, I'll just take you out to Woodbury and we'll walk the golf course. And I scrounged up an old set of clubs that belonged to my father-in-law. And I walked nine holes of golf with this friend of mine from, uh, from Orange. And I just took the, took the bait. And so from, God almighty, the, fir- the first five years, from the, from the time I was 41, 42, and starting to play golf till the time I was 50, I bet, I played fanatically. I played way too much, actually. But I probably, I probably would never have played golf if it had not been for Woodbury. Woodbury has a – economically, Woodbury is a pretty, pretty sweet deal. You, you essentially pay $1,000 for unlimited golf as much as you want to play, um, as opposed to, say, paying 50 or 60 bucks for a round of golf one time on a weekend. So I would come out and – I mean, one of the great things about Woodbury is you can come out and practice, you can come out and play three holes, you can come out and play 30 holes, whatever you want to do. And then have you been coaching golf at Woodbury since you arrived? Yeah, the first couple of years, I was Mr. Hogan's assistant with the varsity team. And then I coached the JV team a couple of years. And it seems like this is a downward spiral, but it's not actually. I, I, I like this. Um, and then a few years after that, we decided to have a Bengal team, which is not really a team. It's sort of a class. And I, I like that part of it. I like teaching people who don't know any. I mean, the kids that come to Bengal a lot of times don't know a driver from a putter. So it's really starting at the most basic level. What would you say is your across the board, your favorite part of coaching golf in general? Um, my favorite part of coaching golf is probably the psychological part of it. I mean, with Bengal kids, with beginners, there's just some basic swing stuff you do and you just do it over and over and over again. But the psychological part of teaching people to, control your temper because the game can just get to you or to, to expect a lot of yourself, but not to expect so much of yourself that you let, that, that you let the game beat you down because the game can absolutely beat you down. That part of it, I really like. And then pivoting to your uh, position at Woodbury, what would you say is the most difficult part of working uh, in this community? It's good. It's going to sound like a cheesy answer, but I genuinely love my job, Luke. I really do. Um, I love the place. I love the people I work with every now and then. And this is true in any job, you get fed up with the people and they're people I get fed up with here for sure. Um, but you don't have to name names for that one. No, I won't. I won't name any names for that one because as I say, it happens in every job. And that's, that's not to say they're people I don't get along with. I don't think there's anybody here. I don't get along with. I get along with pretty much everybody here. I like, I like the people I work with. Just like I like the students I work with, but that doesn't mean I don't, don't want to strangle them every now and then. On the, on the flip side of that, what would you say you enjoy most about teaching? I've known since I was in the 10th grade at Orange High School that I wanted to teach English. And 
Um, in the, I'll give you the big answer and the little answer. The big answer is for me, teaching is like doing missionary work. I've got I've got stuff that I know will make people people's lives better if they'll if they'll read it closely and think about it. Teaching literature makes your life better. It just does. Um, that's the big that's the big grand answer. I'm a missionary on a mission. Uh, the small answer, I don't know, man. I just like I like I like seeing people every day walk into my classroom kind of not knowing what the heck's up. They're, they're, they're teenagers, so they don't know what's up a lot of the times. And yet, they completely fool you and know tons. I'll give you another specific example. Every year for the last three years, I've had my daughter, Becca, come visit my classes. My daughter works at Rikers Island, which is one of the most notorious jails in the world. Um, she teaches gardening classes um, to inmates on Rikers. Uh, she's not able to do that now with Corona, obviously, but that's what her job has been for the last four years. And I had her come visit my classes, uh, and three years three years ago, she usually speaks to my senior classes, but three years ago she had extra time, and so she talked to my freshman class. And after talking to my class and taking a lot of questions, Jojo Beal raised raised his hand and said, "So, Ms. Amos, what do you do to keep your own mental health?" in good shape working in such a stressful job and i thought oh my god this is a freshman boy asking a asking a, the most caring and beautiful humane question i could think for somebody to ask coming out of a ninth grader's mouth um that kind of thing happens so much just in everyday classes i like i like uh I like teaching stuff, but I also like not exactly knowing what's going to come out of kids' mouths.